Thank you for tuning in to the best parenting show on the internet. Post Daily Dose. Facebook family, I'm late, I'm late for a very important date, and that date is with you! And Post Daily Dose. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Post Daily Dose with me, your trusted parenting advisor, faithful guide, and servant on the healing journey. What's my name? Big Papa Brian Post. Hope everyone is doing amazing on this terrific Thursday. I'm going to just dive right in because I've got a, I got a deep, deep, deep question, man, and I want to, I want to get right to it. This is a, a family member of one of my posties, and um, I want it's, it's, it's a good one. So I want to talk about it, and then I had a comment from another mom that I wanted to share after I get into this. So let's just jump on in. So my husband and I adopted four adopted kids. Our youngest came to us a little over two years ago. Here's a bit of her background for you. So she's six years old. It's important for you to know she's six years old. So she's been in this family for a little bit over, over two years. Removed from birth mom as an infant, multiple foster placements with biological sister who is four years older than she was adopted with sister by a family who had three biological children. In the adoptive home, she was molested by the father and made to perform sexually with the brother in the home who was one year younger than she. So that's really, really important to remember. Um, that's a pretty big deal. So this child's first adoption experience is mired in sexual abuse. And not only was it mired in sexual abuse, but it was, it was right during the formative time when she was supposed to be um, being potty trained. So think about that. So right during the stage, that 18 month, 18 month to 24, um, 24 month period of time, 30 month period of time, when most children are getting potty trained, this little girl is being sexually molested by a grown man and her little brother. So obviously very creepy. Um, so she was molested by the father, made to perform sexually with the brother in the home who was one year younger. Sister was gone. Uh, okay, let's see. Then she, um, after a year in this placement, her biological sister was sent to the Institute for Attachment in, in Colorado. I don't, I'm not familiar with that place. But um, I find that pretty interesting considering you have a child who's being sexually abused in a home who's getting sent away to a facility. Exactly how does that get assessed and how is, not, how is someone not catching that? Once her sister was gone, she became the focus of maltreatment by the adoptive mom who would lock her in her room for hours every day, usually once she was home from preschool until the adoptive dad got home from work. So... The, the treatment, the maltreatment just continued for this child. The isolation and rejection was, has wreaked havoc on her. After two years, she was, also, she was also then sent to the Institute in Colorado. So she was sent to the residential facility as well. And so now you got two children being sexually abused, being sent away to a facility. So my husband and I pleaded with the family... Let's listen to Harold and Edna fussing at each other during my daily dose. I'm going to turn the camera on them. It's quite, quite the crew, I tell you. <laughs> Once her sister was gone, she became the focus of maltreatment by the adoptive mom who would lock her in her room for hours, said that. The isolation rejection wreaked havoc. After two years, she was also sent to the Institute. My husband and I pleaded with the family, um, 
to let us adopt the girl. Finally, they let us, and we drove to Colorado and got them from the Institute. Okay, so there's background for you. So this child is seven point, is now seven and a half. I said six. She's seven and a half. So she was in, in a situations of abuse, neglect, maltreatment, sexual abuse for over five and a half years. And I'm going to include the stay in the residential facility. Um, hates herself and mimics the behaviors of other kids around her. We love her, applaud her, and encourage her, but the deep hate remains. In, Col in Colorado, they were working with her on, on potty training and had minimal success. We have tried rewards, allowing her to wear pull-ups and change her own. We've set a potty schedule and worked on going at, at certain times. We let her, her wear underwear and change clothes on her own. If she had an accident, she still remains untrained. She wets the bed every night. If she is not wearing a pull-up, she will pee her pants and sit in it. She doesn't care that she stinks or is wet. She does care if the other kids call her names, but that doesn't seem to motivate her to change. She is homeschooled and attends on attends on-campus classes once a week, and she doesn't care if she pees herself there and sits in it either. There is also the issue of wiping after going poop. She doesn't like to wipe and most often will not wipe and allow herself to potty. Um... If this is something we have to wait and let her grow out of, we understand. But if there's anything we could do to help her heal, we want to do it. Please help. Okay. So. This is not something that you're just going to wait, just going to wait it out. This is not something that you're just going to be patient. You do have to be patient. What you have to understand with this child is that fundamentally she has been sexually abused and grossly neglected. So any pathways for self-care that would have been created based on her being cared for by loving, nurturing adults are not there. When that happens, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back up because I want to reframe some of these words that, that mom's using. You say she hates herself and mimics the behavior of other kids around her. Well, number one, she doesn't hate herself. She doesn't even really know. She doesn't even have a concept for self-hatred. She has a concept for experiencing the hatred of adults towards her. And based on that, she has created an identity. So she is fearful. She is fearful that she is not good enough. She is fearful that she's going to be abused. She's fearful that she's going to be sent away. She's fearful that she's going to be rejected. So she's terrified. So instead of saying she hates herself, I want you to reframe that and think that her imprints are around that she's not good enough. There's nothing that she can do that is good enough. Now, if you think about that, the surface of that becomes that she hates herself because she's always messing up. She's always doing bad. But underneath it is the fear that she's going to be abandoned and rejected and ultimately abused and punished. Um, she mimics the behaviors of other kids around her. So she's 7.5 years old chronologically, but she is not 7.5 years old emotionally. You're probably dealing with a 12-month-old maybe an 18-month-old. So you've got to, got to change your framework. And I know she's been with you for a little over two years. That's really no time at all. Not when you come from this kind of abuse. 
So you have to change your framework and start thinking about her from a standpoint of a 12-month-old to an 18-month-old. I'm going to go ahead and give it an 18-month-old, but she's prone to being an infant. So keep that in mind. Um, so they've, they've been working on, on your, the potty training. So here's the thing. Here's the thing with the potty training. When a child has been sexually abused at this age and she's missed out on the opportunity to develop the mechanisms that she needs to even know to be potty, number one, everything associated with her private areas, with her vagina, with her anus, are, have negative associations. So everything feels bad. And that's, that's number one because there's so much, there's so, there's, every time this child has to go to the bathroom, there's the potential for some kind of PTSD episode. Number two, if she experienced long, long stretches of not being allowed to go to the bathroom and she just had to wet herself, that actually, and this is very common in orphanages, children learn to find soothing through their, their urinating on themselves and their pooping on themselves because it is a part of them. It actually helps them form some, some part of that allows them to believe that they actually exist. This child ultimately that is not being, that is not being nurtured, that is not being cared for, has no identity. So literally wetting themselves and pooping themselves give them a, a, an object, an, a, an object reflection that says, I, I, am, I am here, I exist. So that is very important. So I want you to think about that from the from the standpoint of um, there, she's these these are wired in imprints for this young lady. So these things are are experiences that she's had for many 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 years. So th this is these are not experiences that she's had and being taught how to go how to go potty. These are experiences that she's taught that have have not given her any any self-identification. It's not given her any training, not given her any kind of nurturing. So all the attempts, you know, the, the potty schedule, that's for sure one of the things that you're going to have to do. And, um, and you can't do it on certain times. She has no connection between her brain and her body. So you have to imagine that that is, is so diminished that she's not even aware. You have to look at her like she's 18 months old and you have to put her on a schedule in the most loving way. But here's something you have to also do. There's gonna have to be some kind of emotional processing with this child around what she's experienced. Someone has got to talk to her, preferably mom and dad, gotta sit down and talk to her, watch some of my other daily dose about how to process emotionally with your children. Put her in your lap, find empathy, find that sadness, find that pain for all the things that she's suffered and, and really open that up and encourage her to let those feelings out to you, to express those feelings and find that deep, deep compassion for this child who has basically been parentless parentless for all this time until she ended up in your home. So put her on, so you got, you have to do that and you have to talk to her. I would say every day, every day, talk to this child about the fact that she didn't have a mommy and daddy that loved her the way she needed to be loved, who would 
pick her up and take her to the bathroom and show her how to potty and could make her feel safe. And she didn't have a she didn't have a daddy who protected her and made her feel safe. She had a daddy who a father, a male, a male figure. He did he doesn't even deserve to be called a daddy or a father. She had a man in her life that made her feel unsafe and hurt her and made her feel shamed and do very bad things. And and you want to honor that for her. And you want to let, you want to make that very conscious. And so you want to help her to understand that that's why she struggles the way she struggles now. Help her make some kind of conscious sense of why she struggles the way she does. And just keep finding your empathy, keep finding your passion for, for her, everything that she's been through. And just have that conversation with her. And the next thing I want to do is you got to put her on a potty training routine. You're going to have to, this is a child who's going to have to be um, taken to the bathroom. She's not going to want to go. It's not safe. There's nothing safe about the bathroom. The safest thing for her is just to wet her own pants. So put the pull-up on, but the pull-up is not an excuse to not have the routine. You've got to have the routine. So every two and a half hours, make sure mom, you're taking her to the bathroom. You use the bathroom, she uses the bathroom. Even if she doesn't have to, she just sits on it. And you talk to her, sit on the side of the bathtub and talk to her about how sad it is for you that she's had to go through all these things. Keep processing emotionally. And remember, you're dealing with an 18-month-old. You're not dealing with a seven-and-a-half-year-old. And if she's homeschooled, it's the same thing. You, the, whoever, whoever is caring for her, I'm surprised this child doesn't walk around in shock most of the time. I'm surprised that she's not just literally in shock most every day. And if she's not in shock, I can imagine she's she's like an infant. And so it's the same thing with the pooping and the not wiping. Every instance of of peeing her, peeing her pants or pooping is going to be a post-traumatic stress trigger. So every, what that means for you as parents is that every time she wets herself or every time she has to poop, it's an association with her abuse and her neglect, and it's going to cause her to regress. And it's going to, and when it causes her to regress, she is not going to act like a seven and a half year old. She's not going to be there. So that's why you have to take that out of her hands, take that responsibility out of her hands, put her back in those wet wipes because that make those those pull ups because that makes everyone's life easier. And then take the responsibility for the next, I'm going to say the next six months, if you'll do the emotional processing with her, and if you'll consistently do that, if you could really find that emotional connection, it sounds like that's, you guys are there. So I really want you to go deeper with her in that experience. If you can do that for the next six months, and you will get up and, and just like you would a toddler, you will start potty training her just like you would a toddler every day, every night, waking up at least once a night to get her to go to the bathroom. Because what that's doing is it's it's training her circadian rhythms and it's training her brain to restore that connection with her bowels and with her bladder. And that really has to be in place. Now, here's the other thing. Do that for the next six months. Things are going to get better. Because she is seven and a half, so she has the cognitive ability, when, once it kicks in, once she stops regressing, she has the cognitive ability to start to make a little bit more sense and start to diminish, diminish some of those associations. However, don't stress over it. Keep her in the pull-ups. 
she might have to be in pull-ups until she's 10 years old because she might have accidents every now and then. What's going to happen is all of a sudden she's going to start using the bathroom and doing the things that she needs to do with your training, with your repetition, but she's going to be at school and she's going to be playing and she's going to get stressed and she's just going to wet her pants because when she gets stressed, she's going to regress. And every time she regresses, she's going to be going back to some traumatic place. So I want you to keep that in mind. And if you'll just do that, just be consistent. I know it seems... It seems like this is an uphill struggle with this child, and and culturally, we so much want to blame the child, but this is not it's about this child's trauma, and it is about her neglect and her maltreatment. And so, keep keep having emotional conversations with her. It, I mean, literally, it is like she wets her pants. You need to pause. You need to take some deep breaths. You need to slow really down, and you need to just be sad. You need to just be sad that that she has just not been honored as a child, as a baby, and you need to let her know. Now, here's the other thing. You guys are, are doing a lot of, you're, you're loving on her, that's great, you're applauding her and you're encouraging her, but you say the deep hate remains. Here's something really tricky. Sometimes the encouragement could be a trigger too, because the trigger, the encouragement is a setup that she could fail the next time if she doesn't follow through. So I actually, I actually would, would minimize the encouragement. I would minimize the applause and just be consistent. Just be loving, just be kind, be consistent. Say, hey, that's good, you pottied, that's okay, you didn't potty. We understand. We're just going to keep working on it. So I would I would maybe lower the celebration part a little bit because that can be pretty overwhelming for an abused and a traumatized child. So I hope that's helpful. Um, give it a shot. Reach out to us. Let us know if, uh, you know, there's there's anything else that you start to struggle with. You know, get, get after it for the next 30 days and then hit me back and let me know what's going on with you guys. So one last thing. I had a comment from a mom who said, I'm starting to 100% agree with what you were saying because what we are doing is not working. My fear is that the world will not show them the same grace for their behavior from trauma. Eventually, no one is going to care what happened to them and their behavior is 100% on them and the world's consequences are far worse than ours. That is a very, 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 very good comment. Thank you for sharing that, mom. And here's the thing. The moment you say, my fear, the moment you say my fear, then you are operating from a place of stress. And when you start operating from a place of stress, then what's going to happen is that stress that your experience is going to continue to reinforce your child's stress. And then instead of them developing internal mechanisms for control so that they will learn and mature over time in your home and, and grow up knowing how to deal with the world, they're still going to be dependent on external control. And that's really what the world is all about. And all I'm about is helping parents understand that love, relationship, repetition, understanding, support, mindfulness, breathing, consistency, those are the things that help build your child's regulatory system. When your child's regulatory system, the way they handle stress, when that's intact, they're able to deal with this crazy world. It's when their regulatory systems are not developed that they're not able to deal with the world. And so what we want to do, mom, 
What we want to do is we want to work so hard on helping our children develop awareness about their themselves, awareness about their trauma, working on their emotional expression, having their grieving, have, having their grief and having their anger and having their sadness so that they over time can learn to be mindful of themselves. When they learn to be mindful of themselves, they're increasing their regulatory ability. They're increasing their ability to handle stress. And when you've helped them to sufficiently increase their ability to handle stress, then they'll go out into this crazy world because the world's not going to change. We know that. But us sending them out into the world equipped in a mature, strong, regulatory way is what's going to make all the difference. So that's it, guys. Remember, in any given situation, we always have two choices. We can continue to react from our same imprints of stress, fear, and overwhelm, or we can stop, we can slow down, take three to ten deep breaths, and choose love. Big Papa loves you. God bless each and every one of you. Vaya con Dios, mi amigos y amigas. E me familia. Good night, everyone.